Hello and welcome to Unofficial Art Therapy. This is Dr Liz. Joining me soon on the line is uh, Coombsy, as always, and our good friend Greg Soul, the soul man. Uh, in this piece, we talk about Ted Lasso, which is, I know, old news for some people, but we're coming to it fresh and new. Um, we start the conversation actually with Coombsy not feeling so great, and so there's a little bit of a swear in there, but I think it's an appropriate one. Uh, also remembering still and again the loss of a wonderful um, person in the Australian comedy community, Cal Wilson. And we move from there to kind of talk about the philosophy of life via Ted Lasso, but it's not all heavy. It's pretty funny. Um, what I love too is that there's some insights into secret men's business. Um Coombsy has been called the Ted Lasso before Ted Lasso, and I think that's probably true. Uh, I would say similar thing, though, about the soul man, Greg. There's something very solely and lasso-y about him too, so do please enjoy these. Coombsy and I acknowledge that we are on unceded Aboriginal land, always was and always will be, and we pay our respects to Elders past and present. And also remember that this is unofficial art therapy, so if there's anything you need, please do reach out. We appreciate you. Hello. We're, we're talking. Good morning. Uh, yeah, correct. Um, Greg's Greg's on pretzels and milkshake, coffee. What is? It's uh, ocean water is what we call it. So it's Sprite with uh, like blue dye and coconut. Oh. Ooh. I yeah. I've never had that like, before. Have you had that? I like the idea of the coconut. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to hit... Recording recording. in progress. There we go. I'm recording it on my little doodad here as well, but so that we've got it. (coughs) How are you today, Papa? (coughs) Yeah, all right. Oh, darling. That good, eh? Yeah, a rough start. Sorry. Oh, well. So be it. Fucking cancer. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I echo those statements. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. It's just, uh, just, uh, I'm, I'm still at loss about Cal. You know, I'm just yeah. such a shock. You know, someone I was chatting to freely six weeks ago, and she was wearing a dress on um, Great Australian Bank Off that she was hosting. Mm. And it was just so wild and out there. And I messaged her. I said, geez, that's a statement. She goes, yeah, yeah whatever. And then we'll talk about the dishes. And I said, that dress is amazing. you got to promise to wear it to my funeral. And she said, deal, I will. But and let's just hold off on that for a while. And six weeks later, she's struck down with an aggressive form. It just, as, I, as Greg perfectly said, it doesn't make sense. Because I said, it doesn't make sense. She said, no, it never does. It really doesn't. It's, it's absolutely no. unfair. There are complete assholes yep. who walk amongst us who it doesn't touch the sides and then beautiful people who get struck down. That's not fair. Yeah. Uh, and then another good friend's dad, they've stopped the uh, the treatment on him and so they're not they're not expecting him to last till Christmas. So you just yeah, no rhyme, no reason. But anyway, so it's still weighing down a bit heavily that one. It's a been a very difficult one to come to terms with. So yeah. that's life away. Is it like survivor's guilt? Is that really what's getting you? Yeah, that always happens. Hmm. Always happens. Um, to people I know well, you know, like 
and it's like, geez, you know, Carol's so much more out there than me. She's got so much more to offer than me. There's so many more people that you know love her than love me. And eight years difference, I would have split it if I could have at least given four and four. But yeah, it always gets you thinking, how come? You know, I've been given ten years and she got four weeks. Yeah. Something I was I know, um, you know. hearing about uh, trauma is they were saying, don't play trauma Olympics. Like your trauma is just as valid as somebody else's, right? And to me, I think your life is just yeah. as valid as somebody else's, right? So you don't get to, you don't get to play the Olympics, right? You know, you know, nobody's trying to get a gold medal on the podium. You know, everybody's yeah. important. Everybody no. should. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. But um, yeah. yeah, it's just, you know, one of those ones that, Especially we were talking opposite terms, you know, six weeks prior. So, but as we as we say, life is life, and on we go, you know. So yeah, it's been a tough one. Ours is not to question, I guess. <laughs> it's awful. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. shall we? In perhaps the worst seg- segue of all time, shall we talk about Ted? Yeah, Lasso? probably. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> talking talking about life. <laughs> Well, yeah, right. It, football, it, football is life. Football is life. Has there been a more philosophical show in recent times, do you think? Like that had a more kind of what is it all about, but also with an amazing soundtrack and, you know, genuine laughs involved. What What do you think? Gregory? <laughs> oh, this is me. This is me, Tyler. I never know. Ooh, big, I big never you. know. I'm, I will always default to you, Cozy. So <clears throat> I'm just uh, just trying to be like you. But um, I think it is. Oh man, uh, I could monologue on this for for ages uh, and ages. Um, okay, uh, <laughs> but no, I think it's an amazing show for so many reasons, um, and it really took me by surprise. And I think it, I would probably say it, it takes everybody surprise, surprise. Because um, they don't expect it, right? I mean, what's more, uh, a lads lad movie about you know some American football coach going to to teach these UK guys like how to how to how to <laughs> sport, you know? And it, it's quite literally the opposite of that, you know. And I I thought you know because uh, I watch a lot of British television, so it's always funny how they portray Americans on TV. And I was thinking, well, this really feeds into that stereotype. Here's a guy <laughs> who doesn't know jack all about. I'm gonna call it soccer. Just a lower yeah, confusion yeah. for my brain. Um, yeah, doesn't know any, yeah. doesn't know anything about soccer yet. He's gonna go over there and uh, he's gonna play, you know, for like a Premier League team or whatever, or coach rather, and, and take uh, care of all that stuff. So I thought um, <laughs> it did. It did feel very American. And I love that. At least feeds into that stereotype. But <clears throat> when I when though, I like isn't it? that premise is just the producers, like that. You know, the whole the Mel Brooks idea of setting up something you think is gonna fail and actually does really really well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. But to me, it it really set it up for who Ted is, because it's quintessentially Ted. It doesn't matter in Ted's mind what the sport is. He doesn't care if it's cricket, if he's teaching chess, if he's teaching badminton. He's gonna go there and he's going to lead the team. You know, because it's 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 not about what the actions are doing, right? He's not a programmer where he's telling robots what to do. He's <laughs> guiding humans and bringing them together and and that's i mean to me in a nutshell what ted represents to me is like he is a person he is a leader of humans and he he sees the humanity in all these people and he puts them together one of my favorite moments was um 
uh, when he's talking about uh, Roy Kent, and he goes, we're going to change the tide in this room. We're going to do it with that man, changing his heart. And then Beard goes, he's going to hate it. And Ted was like, yep. And he just was so excited, <laughs> so excited for it. Because that's what it's about, right? It's about changing hearts and minds and bringing humans together, and becoming a team. And then he knew he knew the people surrounding him would take care of the rest. He just needed to do the hard part. Yeah, yeah. Coomzy, what struck you about it? Oh, I've had people at me for years tell me to watch this because they sort of said, you know, coach background and whatnot, but they knew I wasn't a massive fan of soccer at all. So um, I just don't watch it much and away at all. And um, so I just sort of kept on the back burner, but it wasn't on the streaming service that I had. Because Greg sent me a message, have you seen Ted Lasso? No, you've got to watch Ted Lasso, blah, blah, blah. Um, all right, I'll trust the man again and I'll I'll go for it. But wasn't on it. So then Greg said, oh, do you know Plex? Yes, i got Plex. Oh, well, that defeats that purpose. We can't do that. And I don't know, about three or four days later, I was on Plex looking for my, one of the British shows that I watch. And I thought, I'll just type Ted Lasso in. You don't know. And bang, it's there. And I went... Well, well, well. I, why didn't I check this three years ago? Yeah. But obviously, wasn't wasn't the right time. And then I just thought, well, I'll give it a go. And as I said, I'm not one who watches series. I just can't concentrate, and I lose a bit of memory on it. And I think I've watched two only ever in the history of streaming. I've only ever watched two series of shows: Man Down with Greg Davies, which was just insane. <laughs> beyond insane but if you love Greg Davies and all those guys Mike Wozniak and we, oh, I love Mike Wozniak second best mustaka in the entertainment industry Wozniak first we know who's first we know who's first Mr. Sol uh, yes. De definitely best mustaka in the entertainment oh. industry Mike, yep, Mike Wozniak second so I love Man Down for that reason and then the only other one was Last year, yeah, last year, a good mate of mine said, have you watched Peaky Blinders? I went, no, what is it? I said, oh, I remember Shane Warne saying something about he wanted to be in Peaky Blinders and he kept at him. And I went, oh, is that English show or something? He goes, you'll love it, you'll love it. I'll so watch it, promise me. And I thought, no, no. Oh, all right. <laughs> and then after the first one, I rang him up and I started talking like they were talking and then he'd leave voice messages for me the same. I thought, I remember one going, we're grown men, right? Yeah, we, we're still... Uh, he went, yeah, but we love it. And I went, yeah, true, because we Seinfeld quote each other all the time. We'll just post something on each other's Facebook page and the other one knows exactly what's going on. It's so funny. So like, well, you know, I played the Seinfeld game with him all the time. I'll watch Beaky Mind. They're the only ones until Ted Lasso comes along. Oh. So good. And now it confuses me, you know. <laughs> you know what it, I love about um, it? I mean, there's... Beautiful. Oh, sorry, honey. There's there's lots I love about it, but this is going to sound weird because there's really... There's a couple of really strong women in it, but it was the insight into secret men's business. That's what I loved about it. I felt like, <laughs> you know, finding out that kind of male perspective, and not in a bro way, you know, even though there are bros in it, you know, but the way mm -hmm. the men were represented and were allowed to be different types of men too i think that's what struck me so much you got different types of men and particularly as we're getting through you know 
I've been through some big stuff about, you know, one of them coming out and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And then, you know, all those questions around bullying or not bullying and how you be the macho guy or not the macho guy, how you navigate each other and whatever. And I just thought, man, this is like the, you know, the, the fact that the men were so diverse and so vulnerable, but also got it done. You know, like Roy Kent is still Roy Kent. You know, <laughs> love Roy. <laughs> great, great character. <laughs> yeah, it just—I I was so impressed by the diversity of that, and I really felt like I'm, you know, like this is the future. The future's bright, you know. If these are the men that are leading the charge, you know, as well as the women, yeah. of course. Like, I mean, Hannah Whittacombe, what an amazing, amazing performer. I actually saw her Coombsy in London for a spam a lot. I saw her on stage many years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Juno Temple, mm-hmm. I had no- I knew nothing about, but what? I mean, Keely no. Jones, holy crap. How good is Keely Jones? <laughs> she done she done well. Yeah, I didn't know Juno Temple either. But I don't think every everyone was cast really well. I thought, I thought, gee, yep, that person really fits what they're wanting. Um, yeah. And the only ones that I knew when it came up was Nick Muhammad, who's been on 8 out of 10 cats. So that's mm. a character he plays is crazy and that so I picked him up and then when Barbara came into it Barbara because yeah um you know the uh, Keely's um oh her partner oh yeah 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 no in um well yeah her partner no the the accountant of the KPR whatever it was it Barbara yeah I know who you mean the manager the yeah yeah the finance manager yeah 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 well um, she's a stand-up comedian in the UK. She was on Taskmaster oh. about two or three seasons ago. Well, life me can't think of a name, but um, so they were the only ones I knew. But again, um, see, great. I just you sort of thought I couldn't think of anyone more perfect to play that part. Yeah, yeah. And, and even the soccer team, I thought you know, um, was just done so well. Danny Rojas was cast perfectly because that's what you sort of picture that South American sort of guy the pure joy when he come running on the field that time I was like, yeah and, I, and a lot of it also got to me because of my football background and knowing some of the things they were talking about like oh, I, oh yep I've heard that go down before and, and that and that when I was coaching but um, more so when I moved into the administration in the AFL uh, a lot of things sounded very familiar and um yeah, flavour to that, but uh, it it tugged my heart on, on nearly every episode. I reckon I I reckon I almost cried nearly every episode, and did in some. <laughs> did you? Is it true to life for you, Greg? Like, were you a were you a sports guy? Were you just a? I mean, imagine hanging out with dudes. You know what you do for your day job. There must be bunches of dudes hanging around. Was it true to life at all for you? Um. Absolutely not. I I am not a uh, I'm not a man's man in any sense of the like it's stereotypical. Like I'm kind of over here to the side. I, I don't really fit that mold. I've never been a sporty person. The only sport I play is pickleball, um, and I absolutely love that. And it's because I'm an old man. And it's an old man's sport. No, it's increasingly a young person's sport. I'm trying to fight that stereotype. But um, <clears throat> I work in the IT field, and there's not much of that bro culture in there, right? Most of us are nerds somewhere on the spectrum and we're just trying to survive the world kind of <laughs> scenario i mean there are obviously some bros that you run into every now and then but yeah it's definitely it's definitely different i you know i was sexually kind of 
interested in your like one of your big takeaways, Liz, that um, showing men in a different perspective. I didn't know that men were so two dimensional in most depictions on TV. I guess I just never pay attention to it. I've I've gotten so accustomed to it. I guess that it just just goes right by me, and I don't even think about it in that respect. Because I've I almost I'm so outside the normal. I don't even really consider myself fitting in any one of those groups necessarily, right? So I don't I, I feel more like an outsider kind of looking in because I just I don't think I really think or react or necessarily feel the way a typical uh, dude would or or bloke or lad or whatever you want to call it. What appealed to you about it then? So many things. So many things. <laughs> I think I would love to be Ted Lasso. Um, somebody who sees the good in everybody, wants to encourage them, has some kind of inane ability to find the thing that a person needs to hear and gives them that little nudge. He never tells anybody to do anything. I love that too, right? He he leaves you a trail of breadcrumbs and <laughs> he hopes and knows somehow that you're going to follow it and yeah, get yeah, to where you need yeah. to be. Like when Roy Kent uh, begrudgingly read the book and he was just like sitting in there with his uh, <laughs> niece and he goes, fuck. You know, and he's like, you know, just all this realizations are dying on him. Like, I, funny. Yeah. I love that stuff. But then there's some amazing messages in there. Oh, like, um, everybody who's listening, everybody in the world has seen Ted Lasso. Craig, you were the absolute last person. So now yeah, we, can, we can finally talk about it. But the core of the first season is it's all predicated on a lie, this big lie that gets built bigger and bigger and it gets so complicated and my favorite moment i think from that whole season is right there at the very end the last episode you know uh, where rebecca is confessing her sins you know she's she's laying herself bare and basically saying i understand that i've created like i've done this transgression like this is unforgivable and um you know, there's no coming back from this, and I'm, I'm happy to get your car and get you wherever you need to be, Ted. And he just stands up and he looks at her, and he says, "I forgive you." Yeah. And just this crazy set of things she's built in this lie—that one, "I forgive you," just fucking lays waste to it. It just levels yeah. it like a nuclear bomb. Like yep. all Short of it of is—it's all washed away. Like I could just feel the gravity of that forgiveness because i've i've had that in my life before and it was transformative like i didn't even know i needed to hear it at the time but when it came everything else blew away like a tsunami you know like a tidal wave just just took it away and uh to me that's the power of forgiveness is so big and i think people underestimate one how much courage it took her to be brave and in life it only takes five seconds of guts. If there's anything you're afraid to do, you only have to be brave for five seconds. That's not that long when you count it out. So you be brave like Rebecca did. And then you be brave like Ted did and forgive somebody. Like to me, the show could have ended right there. And that was so beautiful yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. they don't. They keep going. I have so many anecdotes about why this show is like so amazing to me. Like just has nothing to do with soccer, has nothing to do with sport, has everything to do with being a human and being vulnerable and how hard that is. It's interesting, isn't it? I remember because he does the same with his wife, doesn't he? When she wants to, when he lets her go. 
and I remember sitting there thinking that was devastating but also that's how you that's how you tell somebody you love them you let them go if that's what they need that's to do you don't you don't hang on to them if if you can see that it's not the right thing for them you know you give them your blessing as hard as it is for you and I just again I just went oh man that's just that's singing my wife Wait. and I were talking about how I was going to do this just in a minute, and we watched that little scene, and I broke down right there. Yeah. And it's, you're not giving up, Ted, because like that's something I never do. I never give up. She said, "You're not giving up. You're letting me go." That crushes me. Yeah. Like that's almost like saying, "I forgive you." You know, I mean, it's 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 that in other words. You know. How do you reckon I went when that that bit came on? Yeah. How did you go, darling? <laughs> I had to, I had to stop it because straight away I thought of my mother and father. Yeah. When my mother done that to dad, yeah. so in real life I've experienced that letting go. It's like, well, you know, you've given up so much of your life to be by my side. You really need to see the world and go, which is not what how she told him it. Yeah. <laughs> but in the end, in the end, when you know she revealed that to him on her dying bed. It revealed that to her husband, my dad. But she said, I always love you. I just needed to set you free. Yeah. And he was like, no, no. And he, she went, yes. Yeah. And then Do you she think he knew this. the truth of that the whole time, no. though? Like in his heart? No. Deep down? No. Mm. No. Yeah. He was just oblivious. And I remember the shock on his face. But then the on his face, thinking, my wife does love me. Mm. And then when, when she had then... When he went to say something, she just cut it off at, at perfect. She said, now kiss me and go. And I thought that was again. So when I was watching that, I was like, uh, I had to stop that and take a deep breath for a few minutes and think, I wasn't expecting that out of this show. You know, I wasn't, you know, wasn't expecting to feel that, uh, you know, watching this. As I said, you get attached to characters, which is something I don't do because I don't watch a lot of TV. But I found myself, when I had to watch that last episode, I remember Janine sort of walked through and I went, well, here we go. And she said, sorry. I said, I'm just, it's the final episode. She said, and? I said, well, I'll be sad at the end of it because I really enjoyed <laughs> this. So um, I will be because I want it to go on. But I'm sure they're going to craft this in a way they were aware it shouldn't go on. And yet again, they got it right, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was always... They've sort of hinted a little bit, but I think that they, that they are, they're going to leave it be, I would say. Yeah. Who was your favourite character? If, 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 I mean, Ted, take Ted out of the equation, because I think, I think that maybe most people's. Um, who, who was your favourite character apart from Ted? Oof. I'm gonna let Liz, Liz go first, so I can think for a second. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's too hard. I, no. I, I like it never it's even good. entered my sphere to think about that. Yeah, it's like pick your best kid. Pick your best kid. Your favorite <laughs> kid. It's hard, isn't it? I did like Rebecca a lot. Um, I mean, Doctor Sharon was incredible for me too. How good was Doctor Sharon? You know, these two little cameo bits were quite quite good. Oh, yep. but also just the way, you know, that they played her to be down the line but also so empathetic and, you know, sort of just yeah. such a good foil for for Ted too, you know, those bits yeah, when, yeah, when yeah. he yeah. finally opens up to her or her the other way around and they just, you know, when they're having a beer yeah. together and playing ping, you know, pinball <laughs> and stuff, as well as the rest, I'm like, oh, man, this has been so yeah. beautifully done, 
you know, like I just, I was in, in awe of it. It's also hard not to love Beard just because he's Beard. I mean, well, you know. Crazy character. <laughs> Loved him. Coach Beard. I reckon if I was uh, in footy at the moment, that would be my name. With my big beard, they'd all get to Coach Beard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. a bit like him. But then Sam, yeah. I mean, what a beautiful, what a beautiful character Sam was. And what a, yeah, a gorgeous young man. Yeah, a gorgeous young man. And the way he kind of, the way they played that with him and Rebecca was really interesting too, I thought, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the way he, they also played him and his family and, you know, the possible <laughs> trade and everything, you know, you just wanted nothing but the best for him, you know. But I found myself yep. that with all of them, I wanted nothing, even Jamie Tart when he comes around, you know, I mean, you just think, oh, yeah, no, yeah, you know, swung it around. Oh, yep. and that I bit agree. when his dad is a dick to him and Roy just gives him yep. a hug, I mean, that's the bit that got me, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, a lot of, lot of, lot of those, <laughs> yeah, a lot of those. <laughs> I like Roy's arc a lot too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> I love the, Roy. I mean, you, you, because he's he. I think he sees himself one dimensionally, right? He sees himself as Roy Kent, like this image that everybody has built up of Roy Kent, and then he can't be Roy Kent anymore, and he has to like go through that ego death. And he's still, I mean, he's still Roy Kent. He's still foul mouth and uh, <laughs> abrupt and abrasive, but there's growth. There's real growth behind all of it. So. He uh, keeps the core, but he evolves, and I, I love to see that. You called it an ego yeah, what, right. sorry? Ego death. Like the ego person death. that mm-hmm. the person that I know, it is, I have to let that die. And re- I become somebody else. I don't know who that is, and that's terrifying to not be. Because I've known people before. A friend of mine that passed away when he was getting really ill, he used to be the guy that would take care of everybody. Everybody came mm-hmm. to him. His name was Will Lewis, and he'd say, hey, G. Dude was massive. He was just so much bigger than me. And uh, He's a big bear. And uh, <laughs> there towards the end, you know, he needed help from everybody else. And it was so impossible for him to reconcile that. And he had to go through that. Like, it was – he had to go through the grieving process of who he used to be. And he had to, to let that go and move on and find out who am I now at this point. And – it was really tough. I got to, I mean, I wasn't physically there, but I got to hold his hand. I talked to him almost every day on the phone uh, when he went through it, and it was really tough. And I think for some reason or another, I was the chosen person, and I was the only person in his life that he would show that side to, the, be the vulnerable um, be the vulnerable person that he had become. And even that was still tough. But um, What a gift to give him, Greg. What a gift to be able to be that person. It was tough. Yeah. It was tough. Yeah. But I wouldn't... It was incredibly difficult for me because uh, it's very draining, but I would never take it back and I wouldn't have changed any part of it because it grew me too. You know, I I grew. You know, was it like the Grinch's heart? You know, grew six times <laughs> this day or whatever. You know, so it was, <laughs> it was good for me as well. But to you, Will. I would definitely <laughs> like to have that guy back. Yeah. He sounds lovely. The other thing that I found amazing throughout, which I think you mentioned once before, was the soundtrack. Every now and again, there'd be something that had matched something that's got put, like, that was perfect. When Roy come marching in with that psychedelic shirt on and Red Right Hand was playing, as soon as that started, I'm like, (laughs) yes. And then I'm like, oh, Peaky Blinders, Peaky Blinders. There was a double joy. I'm like, 
it reminded me of that. And then, of course, when that episode was over, I brought YouTube up and listened to the Red Right Hand again and as loud as I could. And I'm like, oh, what a great, great song that can be used so cleverly in many different areas. And I think they'd done that well with a lot of the soundtrack where there was a bit of something and then on we went. I thought, yeah, that and the naming of the episode I also thought was was good because you always can get that in your head but you know if you watch enough you go oh I want to go to the the, the car park scene oh. like the famous Seinfeld one or you know, it helps me anyway associate well that's going on with that and, um, I, I think they use lots of parts moving parts to create this it's a masterpiece of TV you know? oh yeah can we talk about Rick Astley can we talk about the funeral yeah. and the whole use of <laughs> well, never going to give you up yeah and how good was that <laughs> Tell me, tell me. Yeah, I never thought Rigel Ascoli was going to make me cry, but no, the dude I did agree. it. <laughs> he swung it. Don't you think that? I mean, my doctor lady, Spidey senses went crazy for that too, because it's that kind of the, it's how the everyday gets you. You know what I mean? Moving from the way it meant something to the mother, it gets her up in the morning, it gets her moving, it reminds yep. her of the past, it makes her familiar, to being the only thing that Rebecca can get out at the funeral to being the thing that connected everybody else there who didn't know what to say but did know how to sing this silly song and then right at the end where it turns out she didn't even know that much about it you know I thought he was black yeah. like, <laughs> and even then it can mean so much to you and you know so little about it contextually you know I just thought it was so fantastic you know and the it fact that it was that gives your ideas Oh, gives you ideas too with like, oh, I wouldn't mind that for my funeral. Oh, Kenzie, come <laughs> yeah. on now. <laughs> yeah. I, I do have a couple of, don't worry, I have a couple of moments that will surprise you all that like, wow, um, the singing of something is not one that I had, but it's now one that I'm strongly considering. <laughs> and especially I know the perfect song that everyone will hate singing will be a Nickelback song. But that's probably what's going to happen. Don't shake your head, Mr. Soul. That's happening. Yeah. A dick to the end. Golly. Yeah. Thank you very <laughs> say a dick to the end. <laughs> yeah. and, and, he's, and he's right. Staying true to form. True. Yeah. And an open casket, mate. <laughs> on Tuesday? On a Tuesday, though? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I always said to my friend on a Wednesday, you're holding me over to the next Tuesday funeral. If that's booked up, you're going to hold me again. And the after party I'm having at the Comics Lounge, which I can... How perfect is that? Absolutely. We'll go back and have a laugh and go, well, yep, he was true to form. It was Tuesday. and mm. <coughs> You know, that, that episode actually reminds me of uh, my friend Andrew, whose wedding I went to over in Australia. And um, at the wedding reception, I guess it was, I don't know, we were about three quarters of the way through, and they called everybody to the dance floor, and everybody just kind of linked arms, got really tight, and they played Bohemian Rhapsody, and everybody oh, just sang wow. at the top of their lungs. It was wow. such an amazing moment. Yeah. Like, I loved it. It was the coolest. And it's because I was thinking, what are like other touchstone songs that every, like almost everybody knows Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. right? And then so many people know a lot of the rest yep. Rick Astley uh, words. I don't know that there's other yep. <laughs> other songs that everybody just knows that everything. But Every this, lyric too. This is the beauty of it, isn't it? Like people, again, in what I do, like here in Dr. Ladyland, people would say, it's too popular, or it's too commercial, or it's too easy, or it's too mainstream. But that's what makes it great. 
I think, is because mm. it's that language that whether you don't know how you know it, but you just know it. Like that's what is just so beautiful about it. And it's the thing that, you know, connects. I mean, all those little pop references all the way through were amazing. There's so many. The rom-com, what do you say? He was the, um, the rom-communist. All that shit too. Like, <laughs> it's just. It's so great. It's just the language that we have, you know. I think it's so beautiful. What did you think the other the polarizing character for me was Nathan? Yeah. What? How did you sit with that? Because I went, I found myself from one point to the next point to another point. There was three distinct views from me with it about Nathan. What about you guys, Greg? Hmm. Well, I. Um... I saw the art coming and I was I was here for it right like I uh, like the idea that he was this low-level guy and of course Ted remembers his name you know of course he does you know yeah. and then encourages him and asks yeah. him for advice and then you know help him find his voice and then all the way through where he learns to spit in the mirror <laughs> or whatever yeah. you know, all that stuff but then yeah you know I could see I could see I could see them doing kind of the villain arc right he had to have somebody you couldn't just have because you know Rebecca had um, uh, Rupert was that his name in the yeah. show? Rupert. Yeah. Rupert. Yeah. Rupert. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. she had her, her enemy, right? And so Ted had to have yeah. somebody, right? And but he never refused to stop being Ted, you know, even for a second, because that's yeah. that's Ted. What did they say? Like, I think their therapist described Ted as like something like toxically optimistic or something. Yeah. Right? It's like just that—that's his personality. Yeah. yeah. I, um, the yeah. comeback. To be honest, I think that was a little rushed uh, there towards the end, kind of the the redemption arc. Um, I, I I think everybody saw it coming, um, but it saw felt it like coming. it was yep. kind of shoe, <laughs> yeah. shoehorned in just right at the end. It kind of yeah. felt a little a little rushed, but I don't know. What do you what do you yeah. think about him settling in as kind of assistant coach as opposed to taking over the reins? Or did you see Roy Kent taking over the reins? Was that was that kind of in your arc? Yeah. yeah, well, I think when I made my predictions, that was one of the two I got right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, I'd always hope that would happen. I think, yes, yeah, yeah, I hope too, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Nate, I didn't mind him coming back. I liked the fact that he went to the bottom of the pile and when they had, you know, they were handing out the penalties at the end and they were like, what was it? There's two grand or four <laughs> things you've missed or whatever. Like, I quite liked yeah. that, you know, the group, acknowledged him too you know um mm -hmm. yeah i mean i could see that and that storyline with his dad where his dad sort of finally has that chat to him about why he was yeah. the way he was and everything i could not quite relate to that but i could but it was believable it was very believable i think um and you could see rupert i'm so pl pleased that he left rupert b you know because <laughs> that would yeah. really that would have really screwed it for me you know yeah, yeah. um yeah, I didn't mind it. I didn't. I quite like. He ended up with the girl from the from the restaurant, and she ended up yep. being the way she was. You know, I quite like that too. I, I didn't mind it. I see. I see what you mean by it being rushed. But then, I sort of feel yeah. like towards the end there was a lot of gathering it up. You know, so um, mm. yeah. I, and they and they seem to have. I mean, the episodes got longer, and it was delayed in yeah. getting out. So I wonder what else was going on. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh yeah, COVID stuff. I well, yeah, but also they'd won awards by then, and all that stuff was in the media about oh, right. Jason and um, what was his ex's name that used to go out with Harry? 
Olivia Wilde and all of that. Like, I, it, it sounds like there was a lot of weird shit going oh, on okay. personally. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. And it must and, be difficult, right? Oh, absolutely. And how about good old Coach Beard? What a character. <laughs> Who... I mean, how or who or what? God blew my mind. Good actor too, wherever he was. But um, what, what were your thoughts on him? I liked Coach Beard. I thought he was. Uh, I, I thought he was great. I actually, yeah. uh, I remembered him from an episode of Community. I don't know if you ever watched that show, yes. but he uh, he played um, like a homeless hitchhiker who sang about oh. marijuana. Oh. Uh, so it was a it was a weird like recognition there, but um, I liked him because uh, Ted needed yeah. somebody to ground him, right? Somebody to be practical, somebody to call him on his shit, and that's what Beard's job was. Like he would yeah. sometimes he would give Ted some rope, but when push yeah. came to shove, he would tell him you're doing wrong, you know. And ultimately, yeah, when he was just saying, you know, I don't care about winning, he's like, these are professionals, they yeah. care about winning. You should care about it too, you know. So it's like he would. Yeah push them in the right directions. But I also loved at the very end. Well, I mean, to me, that whole the idea of Ted coming over there only worked because he brought Beard, right? Because Beard yeah, was sure. that technical resource. He was that guy who was going to yeah. stay up all night reading every book he possibly could and yeah. learning the strategies, right? So it was only going to... Good hand man. <laughs> exactly. It was only going to work, you know, with him. Um, but ultimately, you know, I like that arc where... It turns out Beard was lost too, and Ted mm-hmm. found him, yeah, and Ted yeah. made him right. You know, gave him gave yeah. him not a second chance, not a third chance, probably like a twentieth chance. And, yeah, yeah. You know, pulled it together. Yeah. I like I like um, Ted's uh, collector of of people. You know, and yeah. <laughs> finds broken toys and sees if he can mend them a little bit. Yeah, I and, love I love the ending for him too on the plane. It was beautiful. When he decided he just wasn't, he wasn't leaving, and it was just it was yeah, so yeah. it was so good. It was so good. He's, I think you're right too. Like I sort of wonder how they possibly sold that character. I think he was writing for it as well, but you know he is. He's one of those. He's not quite like a sitcom offsider. You know, he's something else. <laughs> you know, and he's thought, com- yeah. Sorry, Kizzy. Yeah. No, I was just saying. I thought comedically, he probably had the. Uh, the best part of that with the lines that out of nowhere where I'd find myself watching going oh, oh no <laughs> was a lot, mainly him I thought oh yeah you know the teeth laughter was more <laughs> that's funny clever and Beard was laugh out loud you know pig snort laughing for me I thought oh gee what a line and stop go and listen to it again that, yep that's what I heard I, yeah. I thought I did so I thought that was clever yeah, beautiful physical um, comedy too. Like when he, you know, the one where they all wake oh, up in Rebecca's shit. house, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, yep. and oh man, like that's commitment. R- running right? through the kitchen. That's yeah, right. That G string was commitment. Was <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, I know his pain. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Read by choice as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, I he was a well crafted character. The one thing I did notice a lot was a, a few of them writing episodes. Yeah. And that um, Roy, um, what's his name? Brendan, um, no. Fred, Fred, Fred Goldstein. Yeah, right, yeah. He was executive producer and heavily involved in all that. So um, I've done a bit of a deep dive on him after it and found that he does a bit of stand-up and things like that. So also like uh, doing that, finding out, you know, what are the other actors been in before and have a look at him because I've never heard of him. But um, 
there was a, a British show called Uncle. I'm not sure you ever watched it. It was actually yeah. pretty good. And he was in that. Brett was in that. Yeah. He had a part where he was somebody's boyfriend. And then um, the actor that plays Nate actually played the manager uh-huh. at a carpet store in that same show. So oh, gosh. those two well, collided there. Well, yeah, he's a very intense character, Brett Goldstein. The way he looks and that, I just want wanted to see him look not like really just, you know, relax your face. Smile, get the, the brow up, not down all the time. And um, so, yeah, it was rather interesting seeing him do other things, which, which again, I like doing the deep dive. And Jason Sadikas, I'd never heard of either. So. He's pretty great, um, yeah. I, I love Roy with his very niece. Very talented man. Yeah, I loved Roy with his niece, you know, and all his... Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, all yeah. Of it, he, Perfect. He, oh, when he's talking about how to look after kids and just be let them be in your world, you know. Hey, do you want to come to the chiropractor? Yes, Uncle Roy. Like, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and then him with the teacher, you know, and that kind of implication that something was going on there or could have gone on there. Yeah, like, I'm with you there, Doc. I thought that was heading in that direction. Mm. For sure. Wrong. Yeah. Well, but it was a nice kind of, again, that's where I thought it was so insightful and clever, that kind of secret men's business of you're not with somebody because you've got no other options. You're with somebody because you continue to choose them, you Mm. know. And I just thought, I mean, again, to me that's the most, just the most, the best thing you could do is not say, oh, well, you'll do because there's nothing else. It's to say, no, no, I see you. This is what I, I want you, and I know there are other options, you know, <laughs> but, but I make this choice. I just thought it was so, yeah, I mean, beautiful, but also real and funny. I mean, that teacher was funny too. You know, you can't call the under eight girls little shits, even if they are being little shits, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the swear jar that's up to 20 grand or something, you know, like it's all, it's excellent, you know. <laughs> The, the other thing I thought that did do well that I sort of noticed, I thought it covered so many social issues brilliantly. Look, it, there was nothing missed, I don't reckon. It was it was perfect. Um, and, and even the friendship between Roy and, um, not Roy, between um, Ted and Rebecca. Yeah. Um, I know she was the boss, but there was, take that out of the equation. Mm. I like the fact that they were friends, that they were mates. Me too. So I, I like saying that, you know, it's okay that a bloke can have a Sheila as a mate. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and the saying we have here, Greg, you've probably never heard of it, she's a good bloke for a Sheila. And <laughs> <laughs> so no one means like picking around with us because she's just a, a bloke like us. Yeah. Um, but I like the fact, because I've got some friends who are women who are mates. Yeah. And I like going out with them just as much as I like going out with my male mates. And I thought they really did say, you know, it, it is actually okay. Yeah. It's, it's fine. Um, and I, I remember I was going to the theatre, one of the friends was like, oh, do you mind just going with me? I said, why? Oh, because I'm a woman. What if people see you out with me? I said, mostly when I go to theatre, I go with women. So they see me all the time. They know that they're my friends. And when people say hello, I generally refer to the person with me as my nurse. So, and I remember stage show one time, one of the shows, I went, this is a different nurse to last week. I went, yes, it's a different nurse. <laughs> um, but I thought, to me anyway, I, I really was happy that they solidified the fact that yeah. Lokes and Sheilas could be mates. Could be mates. Yeah. We're just being mates. Something you know? that kind of put up my uh, my dingle dangles, as this uh, YouTube personality says. Um, and I'm curious what your take on Maybe it's cultural. Maybe it's different for you guys. But... Um, 
it was when Rebecca started dating Sam. I'm curious what your take on that was. I don't want to. I don't want to color you. So I'll, I, I'm curious to hear you answer before I say anything. But what was your what was your take on that? Papa? Any impropriety yep. there? What do you reckon, Papa? Um, being that I thought we cover all social issues. I was thinking somewhere in the line something might happen, but I didn't think it was going to be Sam and Rebecca. I didn't think that was going to be the case. But um, again, I thought, well, they addressed the fact that it didn't matter who their status was, didn't matter what their colour was, didn't matter what it was. If that's that connection that they had, well, so be it and let them go for it. So, yeah. Um, did, did at one stage, I think I misheard, I don't know that. She said she was pregnant, or someone said that. Oh, there was an implication. I thought when she was seeing, an implication. Yeah, when she was seeing right. the um, the psychic and stuff like that. There was there was there was oh, some suggestion. Oh right, okay, yeah. that's where I got where I got confused. Yeah, okay. no, I thought they might have been going. Or she was thinking about having a baby or something. I, because remember that was the thing Rupert had said that he didn't want kids until he found younger Rebecca yes. and then had the baby. I yeah, yeah. Right. I, I liked it. I thought, you know, again, it was dealt with in a really. I thought it was dealt with in a really sensitive way. I thought it was, and I mean, mm. the fact that they met each other on that app where they didn't know who each other was—it's clear they just had oh, similar yes. personalities, yeah. you know, and similar. And I quite That's... liked that position too of him. I mean, he was really the emotional leader in lots of ways. I think. <laughs> You know, um, but yeah. I like that the way that she also broke up with him too, that, <laughs> because she didn't want to hurt him, and didn't want to get in the way of him, but also didn't wasn't sort of patronising and saying oh, I've lived a better, a bigger life than you, and you'll find out, young man. You know, like it was not, it was anything, yeah. it wasn't anything like that. I think she just recognised that yeah. she wasn't ready, in general. You know, would it, would, I think the mm. maybe the 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 saving grace was that they met anonymously and then they started communicating. The problem. Where it kind of came in for me is when they started talking, Sam was 19 or 20. He's yeah. basically a baby. Yeah. Rebecca's mid 40s. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah. He was like yeah. barely oh. legal. And then also, he had role power, right? Yes. She wasn't yes. just his boss. She was his boss's boss's, but she That's was like right. so far. So it's like, uh, you know, you've got somebody who's very young and you've got this tremendous role power. To me, it felt a little uh dangerous and no you know, i think it's that like... was the point but also and it was gender reversal because how often would that happen with a young woman yeah. and the big big boss and... being a man that's what yeah you're yeah. absolutely right yeah it's, it's it, yeah that would feel just as hinky for me yeah but that's you know? but that's the point i think and you know and when you flip it because that's exactly what was happening with rupert and the other all the other ones and perhaps you know how we don't know how Re rebecca and rupert met but maybe that's also what happened so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I agree. I thought it was, it was never going to last. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But I quite liked yeah. the way they dealt with it, and I I liked that. She also, I got the feeling that she was aware of wanting to protect him, or understanding that he had more to lose than she did. In potentially, that's how I read it. I got his, way. I got his age wrong. I had him pegged at about thirty odd. No. That's why that that gap didn't. Um, um, worry me because of the age, but you know, being being one that's had a very, when I was very very young, I had a much older girlfriend. Mm. Uh, I was, yes, I was eighteen and she was thirty two. I had a similar one. I was twenty <coughs> and he was thirty five. 
<laughs> I'm less I'm less worried about the age gap and more just the role power that one power? would have. Yeah, you know, because if you're a boss, if you're yeah, I don't know, man. Like that stuff sits in my that that stuff lives in my brain rent free. They say, you know, but, so but, it's like yeah. I I see that and it always makes me kind of mm, but like me, I don't know. Yeah, but to me, I think that's why it was so great that she was straight with Ted about it. Like she told Ted straight away, almost as if to say, "I need you to keep me in check." You know, I yeah. need you to keep me to be somebody who helps make a decision in you know in the right way you know what i mean not rebecca the girlfriend but rebecca the person that needs to make decisions i kind of got that feeling why else would she tell him you know no no maybe she was just done lying to ted it's like i'm not gonna no more i'm I'm not doing this anymore yeah no more to him yeah Yeah. just before i before i forget greg i just you had a throwaway comment then that you said my brain and lose their rent free the first thing that came to mind was, man, I would pay to live inside your brain. I would pay good rent. No, I, I, I would. I, I, it'd be worth sitting there in a chair and going, right, I champ, what do you got lined up for me today? That place oh. is a barren desert. And, oh, no, uh, I bet the, the more I, I'd be happy to pay there, mate. No, only, barren on, only barren on the top. Genuinely, the more I learn about the way my brain works as compared to like a neurotypical, like my partner, um, the, the more, uh, the more I realize I don't, uh, necessarily feel feelings and things like, like she was, my wife like did this post about how, um, um, do you celebrate little successes? Like if I reacted better to something than I did in the past and I said, no, well, I was like, I, you know, I'm just commenting on everything. I was like, no, I don't do that. And uh, I was talking to her about it and I couldn't understand what she was talking about. She's like, you know, because you'll feel like you did something differently. You did it this way. I was like, oh, well, that's the problem. I don't feel things. So I was like, I don't, like, that's not how my brain works. I don't feel my way through the world. I logic my way through the world. I have to be very intentional if I'm going to feel something. So, like, moments like this, I will feel things because I'm being very intentional. But most of the time, it's just tumbleweeds in there. It's silence. It's so interesting you say <laughs> that because that's what, the way you describe things that you do sounds like feelings to me like when you're talking about your friend was it will big will well big will he being able to appreciate that he needed somebody to hold space for him to be what he couldn't be with other people to me that sounds completely led by the heart and not at all logic but maybe the heart oh, and sure. the head are connected you know or maybe well, it was no, a happy that, accident or maybe you just create that was that one space. of those intentional moments yeah, where I intentionally did that. But like just day to day as I walk through the world, it's, there's like I just don't, I don't know. I just, I think everything is a problem to be solved. I don't uh, feel any way about anything. It's just one challenge and then the next and the next and the next. I don't know. It sounds like the way it works. Yeah. yeah. I found that about Ted where it was making you think about, well, it did with me when it brought back different memories and thought, gee, I wish. I wish now I reacted that way back then when I was coaching. I thought, ah, but then I, I did get a, a tweet from a, a, a kid I used to coach, a man now, obviously, football. And I remember it was, you were Ted Lasso before Ted Lasso was Ted Lasso. And I just sort of gave it the thumbs up and I thought, oh, he's just saying he's a coach. But I didn't realize it was the positive side. That's how I used to coach, always being positive. And, and even the one time when I really needed to yell at them because these were 18-year-old boys, 
I really needed to yell them because they, they need it, but I couldn't do it. So I got a mate of mine before the game. I thought this was going to be a problem with this game because we're playing a team that was so much better than anyone else. They'll accept that they get beaten before they start. Mediocrity will set in. They don't care. No one expects us to win. I think, you know, they lost by 180 last time they played them. Big margin. So I thought they're going to need to be, but that's not how I do things and they will see it's false. So I got a mate of mine, Greg, big, big lad, bigger than me. And I said, I need to play good cop, bad cop today, but I need you to be the bad cop. And I need you to yell at these guys at halftime, regardless of the score, whether we... I said, we're not going to be winning. I know we're going to be a long way behind. But by some chance, even if we're winning, I need this to happen today. And I think it'll be the right thing to do. And I remember coming in at halftime and I let all the players go. And then I got my dad and said, when me and Greg get in, you close the door. No parents come in, no supporters come in. No one comes in except me and my players. That was like, work. I said, just do it. When Greg enters, close the door. And they're all a bit, you know, a bit laughy a bit because we're only like 50 points behind, which, you know, we should have probably been 100 behind. They'd be, oh, and they were just fumbling around, you know, getting clean, getting ready to sit down to listen to me do my thing. And Greg was standing there and I said, okay, let's go. And he swore and yelled. One kid threw his head back and hit the wall in the corner going, oh, my head, my head. Oh, great, this is backslide. Got to get the train to go and sort this guy. Must have probably concussed him. But we didn't know about concussion back then. We thought, it's a headache, you'll be all right, just play. Um, And he was giving it to these kids. And I was just standing there. Did not. I waited till he'd done his rant, said nothing until the whistle by the umpire said, um, Coach Coombs, get him out here now. You're running late. And the players all stood up. I said, please. I didn't have a bit of fun. And just opened the door and out they went. And we lost by 80. <laughs> Which is significant. But it could have been a lot more significant. And then I saw that once when Coach Beard looked at Ted and they just looked at each other. And they gave a little wink and thinking, thinking that's what me and Greg did. We we done that. We knew when was what and after the game Greg said, I really enjoyed doing that. I said, It's not gonna be a regular thing. I just need <laughs> you for today. Thank you for your input. It was valuable and it improved us and um, thank you so much. And a few of the players after I sort of closed the door and said, No one but me and them, not even Greg. And I said, Hey guys, do you understand what's going on? And they went, um, yeah, we do now. I said, you're allowed to enjoy this game. That's the, the main reason you played it was because you had fun doing it. And now you're getting to that age where some of you are going to go on and maybe get a career out of this or some of you may finish now and just go, that's it, I'm finished with the game. So I said, you've got to enjoy these moments for what they could be because you don't know if they're your last... With this group of guys, you'll never play with them ever again now because this is your last year in so-called junior football. So you'll never... I want a fo- football field with these guys again. So every single game, no matter the opponent, just learn to love what you're doing and help your mate out. And, you, you know, by the end of the year, we've done really well and improved our side. And that had me thinking a lot about when I was a coach, should I have done that different? And then when I coached grown men, I was like, gee, I wish I would have seen this then. It really would have benefited me as a coach, but... 
but it did, did bring up some good memories on it, I must, must admit. So thank you, Greg. I'm thrilled by that. Friends, I'm just keeping an eye on the time. I have to go and coach my lot yeah. in a minute. <coughs> <laughs> the day job. But do you have any um do you have any final any final send offs, any final takeaways? Anything anything that just, you know, sticks with you completely about it? Hmm. I think it's gonna um, it's gonna be in the pantheon of my favorite shows ever, and I yeah, I've I rewatched the whole thing three times at least. Wow. And uh, after watching those clips again, I my wife and I were like, "Yeah, let's watch it again." So we'll, I think probably we'll rewatch it once a year for now until forever. That, it's it's made a lasting impact on me for sure. That's a pretty good idea. I might uh, go over it again shortly just to make sure what did I miss maybe some things which I obviously did <laughs> a couple of things got by me so I'll uh, do that but thanks for the recommendation mate it was um, yeah. another and good I'm, one I'm so chuffed that you guys invited me to, to talk to you about it at least this is like so fun doing yeah. doing yeah. these recaps with you guys it's, oh, a blast. it's the best thank you for making that oh, I didn't, oh yeah I didn't know Liz was across it and mm. that piece that Liz wrote about it was fantastic and thought, wow it all um well, all gels beautifully. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I loved the crap out of it too. It was one of those things that, you know, I just was so happy that it was positive but not simplistic. Like I think people yeah. sometimes assume that it's, that to be positive you can't be complex and you can't be um, challenged and you can't be conflicted at times and drawn out and it's not true at all. It was absolutely... It was so complex yeah. and so clever, you know, and so tight in so many ways. It's just a masterpiece, I think. Yep, I agree. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate yeah. you, yeah. gentlemen. I should. I'm going to turn yeah. off and get going, but I appreciate you so much. Thank you for your time. Thanks, yeah. thanks, guys. You guys. Have again. a great, great day, week, or whatever it is, wherever you are. <laughs> I'll put this one up soon. I'll be in touch. It'll be probably this afternoon All or good. early tomorrow. All right. All right, guys. Thanks. Thank so. you. See you, guys. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.